ball to the foe, add another lead. No. Best ball, it's the best, y'all ball. Ball to the foe, lineups every week. No. Best ball, it's the best, y'all. And I'm in way too many leaks. Gotta stop. When I play, I play for keeps. Money. Accepting payments, not the fee. I take the rake on all these pleats. Pay the scour. Making lineups every hour. You draft cowards. Well, I'll be drafting all the power. Well, welcome to the show. Today we're joined uh, by a special guest, Elliot Christ, who's uh, dropped by to kind of talk about the Jets situation that opened up with uh, Adam Gase being the uh, general manager. Elliot Christ is uh, director of analytics at uh, TQE, uh, the Quant Edge. And yeah, I think we all know uh, his uh, depth of fantasy analysis. So uh, you know, we're going to see how that uh, Jets move is going to impact that fantasy moving forward. Welcome, Elliot. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. So how do you, how do you feel about the Jets move? moving uh, Adam Gase into the front office. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interim position. He's already gotten busy and traded a player. Uh, I think it, it's just another sign that the Jets are a joke in an organization because it has nothing to do with whether or not you thought Mike McCagnan was a good or bad general manager. Like, I personally thought he should have been fired at the end of the season. And people were like, well, it's better late than never. No, yeah. it's bad process. And whenever you have process leads to results, right? And sometimes you can have a bad process and get lucky. But if you consistently have a bad process, you will consistently run into problems, right? So this is just, you know, you don't allow a general manager to handpick a head coach, spend $191 million in free agency on players that head coach apparently did not want, then <laughs> run an entire draft and then fire him. Right. It's just so backwards. And now that new head coach, whoever the general manager is, you're basically limiting the general manager to wanting Adam Gase as a head coach, who I think Adam Gase is one of the worst. I, I don't think he's a good coach. And if you're then limiting general managers who want Adam Gase as a good coach, you're probably limiting yourself out of a couple of good general managers who are probably like, no, nah, I don't want Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. From a fantasy perspective, the Mike McCagnan move doesn't really have much impact year one, I don't think. Like, people keep bringing up that Adam, like, Adam Gase is still going to run Adam Gase's playbook, right? Hopefully right. he picks up the pace. I don't think it's going to be a Frank Gore, Kenyon Drake situation, right? Like, okay. he, he said he likes Le'Veon as a player. He just wouldn't pay a running back that kind of money. But there, it's not like Le'Veon Bell is going to split snaps with Elijah McGuire 50-50, right? Like, that's just, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Hopefully he is able to recognize wide receiver talent better in the past and picks up the pace and can actually work with Sam Darnold. I think that the only accomplishment Gase has is the fact that he's friends with Peyton Manning. And, yeah. you know, that sounds like an insult, but if you watch Peyton Manning on Saturday Night Live or any of these commercials or that new ESPN show, it seems like being friends with Peyton Manning is actually like a pretty good accomplishment. Right. Uh, right. But outside of that, <laughs> I mean, the only thing, like he had a minus 243 point differential last year, or almost yeah. last year, over the course of his three-year Miami yeah. career. The only thing he ever did was win one score game. And mm -hmm. one score games, if you look at analytics at all, or the history of football or anything, mm -hmm. that almost always regresses to the mean. And if we're talking about a coach that has been bad in every single type of game, outside of one score game, and that regresses to the mean. Now we're talking about one of the worst coaches in football. So, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I think it's just an example that the Jets organization is a joke. Um, and I say that as a Jets fan, that upsets Jets fans, but I hate when they're like, well, they work in football. What do you know? Duh, duh, duh. And I'm like, what do they know? Like, look at the track record of 50 years, 40 years. It, it says that, you know, disagreeing with the Jets might be the right way to go. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, like, I think maybe on Bell already tweeted, like, even if, People doubt me, whatever. Like it's it is what it is. I mean, yeah. he's still playing the football. You know, he's still an elite running back. Regardless right. of whether I think running backs matter compared to other running backs, he's 
he's superior. He's a top five guy. He's also one of the top receiving running backs in the NFL. And if Adam Gase doesn't throw him the football or design plays to get him in space, I mean, he's not going to beat Pittsburgh Le'Veon Bell, but the idea that now he dropped a second or third round running back that I've seen, like, Mm. stop. Like, they they just made him one of the highest paid running backs in the NFL. They're going to use him, right? Like, even if you didn't want to spend the money as Adam Gase didn't want to, at this point, it's spent. You're not taking Le'Veon Bell off the field for some fifth round running back. You're gonna <laughs> you can abuse him for the few years that his contract's guaranteed, and then probably cut him. Yeah, and I and I think there's an edge there. Um, um, in getting um, getting him late, you know, kind of similar to how we're getting with uh, Todd Gurley. I mean, we're able to with with Todd Todd Gurley's issue is completely different. Right? Todd Gurley's yeah, physical, yeah, but I'm saying yeah, can, he's dropping in, in drafts, and I think you can you can nab him in the second and third round too. Like I would take Le'Veon Bell a couple weeks ago was going around David Johnson, Joe Mixon range. I played right. them both over him, but like I'm taking Le'Veon Bell probably over Dalvin Cook, Devon Freeman, you know. Like, oh yeah. But that's the debate people are having, and Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley at this point. Um, like even if he if he loses some volume, his upside is still tremendous. I mean, he's on one of the highest scoring teams. It's it's all about the knee. I wouldn't be ignoring Todd Gurley because if okay. he does hit and you have very little Todd Gurley in the second or third round, and he ends up okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you are going to get Maliwa because that's first overall <laughs> pick in the second or third round, and that's tough to come back. Yeah, he's uh he's got a lot of talent, and uh, I I really like him even now uh, with the knee issue as a best ball pick because he's going to he's going to hit those peaks. He's got a great skill. That's, that's the only thing you should be drafting right now is startup dynasty leagues and best ball, right? Like no, yeah. so startup dynasty leagues, I completely get being nervous about Todd Gurley. I just traded in a super flex league, Sam Donald. I had Sam Donald and I got Todd Gurley. Like that's the kind of trade I think you should make for made. It, like if you right. want to buy low on him, uh, and in best ball, I'm not scared to take him in the second or third round. Yeah, I think yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of value there, and uh, he's gonna win somebody some championships because I I just don't get the fear, you know. I still see Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell as top ten running backs. Yeah, I mean if it, I mean in terms of best ball, right, and dynasty and things like that. Well, dynasty, yeah. I'd be a little worried, but about you're looking for touchdown upside and pass catching backs, and they're both going to do that. Right. How you doing, Jeremy? Hey, good. Um, you got anything to say about the uh, Le'Veon Bell situation there, uh, Jeremy? I, I like it. I'm glad he's finally on a team. I, I still own him in some dynasty leagues. Um, you know, it makes him more, you know, valuable again in best ball, of course. Um, but I'm with Elliot. I don't expect to see him. I never did expect to see him do what he did in Pittsburgh, but still one of the elite backs. And so many lost some pounds and maybe puts his, uh, tape deck away, his, his rap career just for the season, maybe, or at least during the <laughs> week, um, up till Sunday. But, um, I, I, all jokes aside, I expect him to do pretty well. Uh, they, you know, he's the guy there. So, um, but I did, I did get rid of him in a few spots in dynasty. Uh, um, uh, before, you know, the, the rookie draft. And I got a, a first rounder, which, you know, everyone said I was selling low. It was a mid first. I think I got Paris Campbell with that. A league I was having trouble moving picks. I even moved Tom Brady for less than I expected. Mm. In a su- it's a super flex, but um, I moved Tom Brady for less than I expected to. Guys just wouldn't budge. But I got away from them and I, I had end up with eight first round picks. And I, I reloaded because everybody wanted to trade out of this draft. So I just basically cherry picked guys. But I still feel like I maybe sold Bell, especially if he has a really good season. If this transition goes better than I expect, and if he's around next year, I may have sold him a little low. But I don't have to deal with him either. So, same time, <laughs> that's kind of a I like that load off my shoulders. Yeah, I think yeah, I think in Dynasty that's the right approach. I think he did a really good job, and uh, 
you know, I'm always there to listen to your advice when it comes to Dynasty because I started a Dynasty League too with you and holy yep. smokes is my team just loaded with old dudes. It is loaded. You're <laughs> win now. There's no doubt. Tell us some of the players on that roster. Let's see what Elliot thinks of that. Yeah. I haven't shown Elliot the roster because you know, I, I might lose my job if I showed Elliot the roster or as it is right now. But but you are kind of win now. I mean, which is fine. Well, and, and people kind of go overboard with the win now. You can win now, do well, and still set yourself up for the future after you're doing this for a while. You you don't have yeah. to do one or the other. It's possible to, to draft right like you do in best ball. Have a team that's at least poised to win now and still right. be set up to just reload on some of those guys when they're gone. The Larry Fitzgeralds, you know, the guys that are retiring and going to be out of the league soon. And just and, and plug new players in if you drafted well and kept your picks. So I, there's a good balance you can strike. Those are my favorite teams, by the way. The ones that maybe aren't at the very top but are can win, you know, be in the playoffs year over year. And I'm still not forsaking the future. Seems like people think you need to do one or the other in Dynasty. I, I just don't see it. I don't think you need to do that. Well, I'll be, I'll be honest. It was my first. It's my first Dynasty league, and it's also a John Bosch Dynasty league. And we're, we're going to discuss that later on in a different show. But there are, you know, it's a quirky league. There's a, it's tight end uh, premium and, uh, there's 56 players and it's just an enormous thing. It's a great learning experience. I feel like for, for the entry fee, I got like a bachelor's degree in dynasty <laughs> out of that. Let's kind of move on here and discuss the, uh, the Patrick Peterson, uh, PED situation, which on play draft, they don't have, uh, defenses, but we're going to talk about how this affects the offense as well as the defense because you can't get defenses on, uh, on, uh, the different, Things we have a uh, best ball tens and the right. FFPC. Elliot, how do you feel about the uh, Patrick Peterson's going to be mis- missing six games? What's the impact of that? Yeah, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, trying to adjust for one defensive player missing in just six games is you, you probably are going to over adjust. But Patrick Peterson as, is as good of a corner as there is in the NFL. It gives any wide receiver playing the Cardinals that's the wide receiver one in um, the first six weeks a bump in his weekly projection there. Um, the Cardinals defense in general is not particularly good anyway. No, I, no. <laughs> I have, I feel like a, the Cardinals defense, you're either like a, an elite player or like you're a fringe NFL player. <laughs> and the team yeah. just attack fringe NFL players because they have Chandler Jones as well. Uh, you could run all over the Cardinals last year. Mm-hmm. The way that Cardinals offense is going to go anyway, it's probably not a defense I'd have any interest in to begin with. Uh, you add in the fact that, you know, that they play, they're going to play the Rams multiple times a year. The 49ers can move the football. See how they, they're going to have to play Russell Wilson, who doesn't exactly turn the ball over. It's just, it's not necessarily a place I'd like to go to begin with. I think if you are a wide receiver that was playing the Cardinals in the first six weeks, you got a slight bump there. But, mm. uh, and if anything, it might help the offense a little bit more too, because that defense is going to give up a lot of points and they're going to keep pushing the pace with Murray and Kingsburg. Yeah, that was my thinking too. I think that that gave, gave, uh, Murray just a little bit of a bump, especially in the first six weeks when you're kind of, you know, that adjustment period for a rookie. Mm-hmm. So I think that does put him in the situation that you can use him in, uh, you know, two quarterback situations instead of just three quarterback situations, but this early in the draft. So I'm usually doing three quarterbacks. What do you think about the, uh, situation with the, uh, with the Cardinals there, Jeremy? I don't feel sorry for, you know, Patrick Peterson or, or the Cardinals. I mean, the, what are you going to do? I mean, that I, I have some IDP leagues and it's going to affect them. But at the same time, his position, I don't ever invest heavily in. Um, mm. and a lot of times what happens is, you know, at team defense, it's, it affects. But yeah, I'm not picking up team defenses in other leagues. With uh, IDP, I don't spend a lot of money on defensive backs, maybe safeties. Uh, you know, okay. tend to stream cornerbacks and, and stockpile linebackers and, and defensive ends instead, you know, especially linebackers. So it's not going to affect me. I'll just ride it out. But I, 
I'm not con- too concerned about him. He's coming back. But but the bigger picture for me with what's going on in Arizona, already, wow. I mean, they were horrible last year. I realize they brought in Cliff Kingsbury and, uh, you know, Kyler Murray. And there's, there, everybody in fantasy is expecting this resurgence. And it's just going to be this air raid, amazing, awesome. Kyler Murray is going to jump in day one. And it's just going to be so great. I don't think that's going to happen this year. I hope so. I'm, I mean, I've seen yeah. stuff like this before. We get excited. I want to know what Elliot thinks about that. You know, do you expect Kyler Murray to have a, a great first year and this offense to gel and all those offensive players are going to be valuable when they're playing against all those good defenses? You just mentioned uh, good teams, uh, good offenses and defenses and trying to compete with that. I get that, oh, we're going to have to pass, you know, because we're coming from behind, playing from behind, and we're trying to integrate this offense. But really, are we expecting too much for year one out of Kyler Murray and Keem Butler and Andy and Isabella and all these guys. I mean, are we maybe expecting a too much? We're, we're expecting too much. I, I like Hakeem Butler, but year one, you know, he's the wide receiver four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not best ball relevant. Yeah. I, I mean, they, they're going to run a lot of four, four wide mm-hmm. sets and have verticals, and he may catch the touchdowns. But like Larry, Christian Kirk, Andy, Isabella, like they can do a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. They did set up their team extremely well. Mm. Go you know, this air raid offense. Kyler Murray is the perfect fit for that. Mm-hmm. From a, I think Kyler Murray will be better from a fantasy perspective than NFL perspective than you want. Because yeah. they're the defense isn't going to mm-hmm. be great. We just talked about that. And they're going to push the pace and take shots downfield and he's going to run. Mm-hmm. Like he like you don't even like Josh Allen's a great example, right? Josh Allen is was terrible from an NFL perspective. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> once yeah. Running, yep. like Lamar Jackson couldn't complete a pass and like every game was seventeen or more points. Right. So, you know, when, when you add in his rushing upside, I'm buying Kyler Murray. I'm not buying him as like QB6 or QB7 off the board. Right. Things do set up well from a fantasy perspective. The biggest, con- and David Johnson's another big part oh, yeah. of that too. Right. The biggest concern is that offensive line is not very good. So if they want to take shots down the field, they're going to, they're going to probably have to figure out creative ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not sure they're necessarily going to buy a ton of time. But that plays into Kyler Murray's strength, the ability to adjust the pocket and kind of yep. move around and, and buy some time. So, you know, I think the Cardinals offense is, it's probably being a little bit overdrafted with all that being said, because everyone's anticipating that. And that's a really big thing. So, you know, I think whenever we talk about any fantasy player, it's cost is always the most important perspective of it, right? Yeah. It's just like, it's yeah. DFS, best ball, draft, whatever it is, right? Like, you know, is Todd Gurley a good play? Yes. Is Todd Gurley a good play at 11K? <laughs> like, same thing with Kyler Murray, right? Like, do I think Kyler Murray can be successful? Do I want the Arizona Cardinal stack on basketball? Absolutely. Am I going out of my way at cost? No. No. Yeah. Like, not a value. Year, I was Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City Chiefs stack because Mahomes is going in the 11th or 12th round against guys like Matthew Stafford. And I was like, this may blow up in my face, but at cost, it's the highest upside pit. You're, you're yeah. always looking for the value. Mm-hmm. Are they being valued at their ceiling or their floor? Cause even guys you don't like, if they're being valued at their floor, those are the guys you buy up all day long. Mm, yeah, so, that's a long-winded answer. I do think we're going to see some fantasy <coughs> success, but at their cost, it's already well ba- baked in. Yeah, baked in exactly. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, I like you said, I'm not looking at the receivers, uh, the first-year guys. Um, I might take you know in in a uh, in a twenty you know, twenty-round draft, I might take Kevin White. Because I, I like the upside of a veteran in that in that group, a veteran to get down the field. I think there's going to be a few touchdowns for him. I also don't think he's that. You know, I think his upside at that point is still about 90 fantasy points overall in PPR. I still don't think he's great, but I think he, if he can score for me on one or two games, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, and his downside doesn't make the team. But <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> right? 
I do like David Johnson in a bounce back this year, and I think his <coughs> in the first round kind of guy is something I'm, I'm more than happy to buy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the other thing, from a fantasy perspective, this is about as big of an upgrade grade of uh, coaching philosophy as you oh, yeah. get. Huge. Right? Like, you can hate Kingsbury as much as you want, but from a fantasy perspective, <laughs> a value perspective, an opportunity perspective for his quarterback, right. you know, I mean, that's <laughs> what they did. If you watched their games last year, they ran like four plays a game. And they never use any player the right way. It was it was mind boggling. Yeah, comical. Um, Kingsbury will fix that. Yeah, I do like David Johnson. Looks like he's going to be running out of the shotgun. So you know that's going to give him a hell of a lot of passing upside, especially with a bad offensive line. There's going to be a lot of dump off passes to uh, you know your best uh, your best runner. And snap percentage is the highest correlated statistic to fantasy points for running. Like at the end of the day, you can argue everything you want, but you want running backs that are going to be on the field at all times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> going to do that. Yeah, Johnson can do that. And, you know, a la Christian McCaffrey last year when he was on the field for at one point, it was over 95% of the snaps. I think by the end of the season, maybe it tapered down at over 90. It might have been 92, but still even at 90% of the snaps, that guy was always on the field. So his chances yeah. of getting the ball, the target share, I mean, incredible. I mean, argue him to be that first overall player in PPR leagues because of his usage. I mean, it's in, you know, most of it was in the past or half of it or better was in the passing game. That's, that's brilliant. I love players like that that are using the passing game. And David Johnson gets bumped up in any kind of format for me because I just, I appreciate them better. What I want to say about Hakeem Butler, you know, before the, before the NFL draft, he was like a upper end, you know, first round pick for people. Some people thought he was like the best overall wide receiver. And then after the, the draft capital and where he was drafted, he's now become a value. I mean, he's still the freaky athlete, the guy that could develop. And in a lot of situations, I think he's become that value buy because everyone kind of soured on him after the NFL draft. So it's just funny in this, you know, how, how these values fluctuate up and down. And it's a lot, you know, a lot of it's based on people's belief system, the trends, you know, what, and, and I love ca- trying to capitalize on that. I don't always do it, but I, I love, you know, f- trying to find those situations where Elliot was just talking about value, uh, talking to you, uh, during these drafts. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I have, uh, David Johnson as my fifth running back off the board. Yep. I'm comfortable with that. I, I think the volume's there. I think the talent's there. And I think the offense, if it's, if it's going to have any success, it's probably going to run through David Johnson. Sure. Well. You know, I do like Kyler Murray as a uh, as a pick, kind of close to the uh, Ben Roethlisberger range. You know, I you know if I'm doing redraft mm-hmm. and I'm not, and I'm worried about this year, you know, I'm probably valuing uh, Roethlisberger a little bit more just because of the uh, the volume I know he's going to throw and the, the quality of targets he has to throw to, and the fact that it's an offense that he knows. Hey, he's done it. You're comfortable with that. Yeah, as a Jets fan, Ellie, I, I, I feel for you, man. Um, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Well, I, you know, I'm a homer. I grew up near Cleveland. Um, and that, you know, indoctrinated at an early age. I tried to stop being a Cleveland Browns fan, but I kind of felt, I just, it didn't feel right. It felt like me trying not to have my same grandmother. It just, I was, it was so a part of me. I couldn't do it. And I wanted to, but fantasy football became a re- really big appeal. And I think it's because the Browns were awful for so long. But man, I feel for you because the Jets, um, in a big market like that, I mean, these teams are just ridiculous. Like the fact that they don't seem like they know how to, let alone want to win. It's annoying. Yeah, let's move on. I guess we kind of got into the rookie roundup part yeah. of the show. Let's go. Let's just kind of move in and I'll uh, segue into the Giants a little bit. And I, I really want to hear, hear Elliot's perspective on this because sure. I haven't talked about it in a while because it's hilarious. <laughs> so, 
Um, so yeah, we've, we talked about Kyler Murray in the offense. So let's, let's, let's talk about the, uh, Giants situation. Um, their draft situation. I think, uh, the choice of quarterback there for Daniel Jones was a little bit of a surprise there in the, for the number six pick. How do you feel about that, Elliot? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think the surprise was that he actually did it, right? Cause there was no, <laughs> he might do it forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't believe it actually happened, but you know, I, I mean, there's, I don't like Daniel Jones particularly as a prospect. I actually don't think it's a bad fit, um, because what he does is really work underneath and he's an athletic quarterback. Now they didn't run him as much as they probably should have at Duke, but the Giants actually built a pretty solid offensive line. Getting Zeitler is a big deal. Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard are, and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley are all capable of run after the catch, quick plays, especially Golden Tate. I mean, that's, that's his strength. He's probably the best receiver in the NFL at it, statistically at least. And that's kind of what Daniel Jones does well. Now he's a major, major, reach, but yeah. I actually think, I think he's a pretty good value in Superflex. Uh, dynasty leagues because he is going to play and he does have running ability has enough guys to throw to that you're getting whenever you get a guy who's going to be a starting quarterback in the late second round compared to guys who have been like fourth or fifth round wide receivers you know that's that's a situation to buy i do think it was a major mistake for the giants i think the giants had a horrendous early draft with him and lawrence again lawrence is a talented player but you don't trade the best nose tackle in the league for a fifth round pick to then replace him with a nose tackle at at 17th overall pick you just don't you just don't do that now the argument could be made that the giants are setting themselves up perfectly to get uh Lawrence in 2021 the quarterback from Clemson mm-hmm. but you know, I I just think it's a situation where the Giants process was really bad and I you know I ma- I've made fun of them I put the Jets just did with their current GM but um I I think that because there's been so much hate on Daniel Jones he actually becomes a value in dynasty super flex leagues because I, I mean I grabbed him in a league or I saw him going to league at 211 oh. uh, mm-hmm. like and I've seen 207 I've seen 209 in the three I've done so far so like it's just a situation where in super flex leagues, that's too, that's too cheap for the guy that went sixth overall. Yeah. Yeah. We did a mock draft on another podcast I'm on and, uh, it was Dynasty Nerds, Dynasty Rich. Uh, he was amazed that in a super flex mock draft that Daniel Jones was still available so late. So he forced somebody to take him before the first 12 picks were gone. And same logic you just used. And it makes sense. You know, that's a hell of a lot of capital to put into a guy that, you know, people may, may not think he's going to become the starting quarterback, but he's poised to do so based on everything else. Why would you not take him in the first round? Yeah. I think he represents, you know, well, look, I mean, the opportunity is going to be there. He's going to have a shot at the job. My only concern in terms of dynasty is how many years is he going to sit behind Eli um, Manning? Because it seems like Eli Manning is forever entrenched. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like I don't know what does ownership see in Eli Manning. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I, I I am a little bit concerned about how how long Daniel Jones might uh, might sit. I don't know if it's good. I don't think it's going to be an Aaron Aaron Rodgers situation. I just think that they might they might try to crank Eli out there for two more for two more seasons. Yeah, oh, or Daniel Jones could start by like week six this year. Yeah, that'd be now, nice, man. Yeah, now they have the guy. He's clearly the guy. I think Eli Manning, and they already broke his start streak, right? Like I think mm. I think if the Giants struggle, you could see Daniel Jones really early on in this year because, you know, if the Giants struggle to start, it makes all the sense in the world to see if you have anything in Daniel Jones for a year, year and a half, and then be in position to just you know, hit the mother load in 2021. That's, that would be my hope as a Giants fan is be like, listen, there wasn't a quarterback in this draft after Kyler Murray that I trusted. We can argue about Dwayne Haskins or whatever it is, but that would be my argument as a Giants fan. The only way I could find reasoning in this is that like they're putting their, themselves in a position to really suck in 2021. <laughs> that could mean, you know, the best quarterback prospects in San Diego. I don't like the Giants at all. They annoy me. I'm yeah. just, I'm, but I'm, I'm trying to find a positive spin because 
I've made all the negative jokes. Like it was, it's a terrible process. Dave Gettleman clearly doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, honestly, I actually didn't hate the second half of their draft, but that's right. You know, when you mess up the first two picks, it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think the real they are that the real knock on Jones is that he just went too high, and I I don't believe on the believe in really uh, punishing a guy, a player for that, especially when I'm in fantasy. When I can, that's a little bit of an edge. You know, like you said, everybody hate hating on him is going to drive that price down and you're still yeah. going to get a, a starting quarterback, you know, you know, as early as this year, perhaps. Yeah. Thanks for creating value for the rest of us, honestly. I mean, yeah, I'm, I almost feel like I should just come out here and, t- and tell you he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> just keep pumping it out there. Yeah, he's terrible. Uh, you better trade him to me. You're just going to cut him. So, yeah. And, you know, speaking of, you know, we've kind of gotten into the dynasty thing. So, uh, Jeremy, uh, get us started on some, uh, dynasty, uh, picks that you might, you might be making because you're the expert in dynasty, not me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know about expert, but yeah, I, I play a lot of it and, and I'll, I'll tell you some things, you know, that I've noticed. In fact, Daniel Jones in a startup draft, I just took him, uh, past couple rounds. I think it's a 28 spot, you know, 28 mm-hmm. roster league. And, um, I got him and I want to say the like the 20 21st no i got him in the 20th round at the end 20.11 20.11 ryan finley is where i no i took ryan finley there so it was the 20th round just before ryan finley um i think that's really 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 late so i i'm not sure i can't believe he was still on the board all the other all the other rookies were pretty much gone and it was just rookie quarterback craziness um that i have seen though you know by the end of the second round in superflex but i mean players that landed in great spots like paris campbell who I'm already a fan of, and I think that Hakeem Butler's value is too good to pass up where he's going. Um, the Giants, man, I don't know. I mean, I just, when is Daniel Jones going to start? Who else on that team becomes, you know, besides Golden Tate, who's what, 30 years old um, in Dynasty? And I love Golden Tate. I own him a lot. He was one of the guys you could get in startups cheaply, uh, like a Lamar Miller, you know, guys that would, would always fall, but yet deliver, you know, at wide receiver two, running back two levels for the price of maybe a three or four that you paid at most. Um, the rookie class is kind of fleeting. One thing that I thought of yesterday was the tight ends. Uh, you know, it takes a while for them to develop. Uh, what if Iowa has a, a pipeline on tight ends, right? George Kittle started to do well his rookie year and um, became a thing. What if what if we can expect similar things from Hawkinson and Fant simply because they were coached by Kirk Ferentz and he has those guys prepared? I mean, that's not the craziest thing ever. Tight ends take longer than just about any o- offensive position to appreciate, and I don't draft them in the first round generally. So just some things I noticed this year's rookie class value is all over the place, even later on like this. Players going, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside going at, you know, 112, 2, 3. That's that's low. I love that player. So that's why I got eight picks in that one draft, traded Mm -hmm. away and used them because everybody was easily, readily trading out and grabbed guys like Paris Campbell, Arcega-Whiteside, guys that I expect, maybe not this year, but next year to start, you know, becoming beasts themselves. But I mean, that's that's about it. I mean, I just cherry-picked my guys this year. I didn't, there wasn't really like a, a, oh, I'm going to move up to 105 because I know who's going to be there. I don't. I didn't. I'd wait till someone was on the clock and quickly send a trade offer and try to get that pick to get Campbell if he was still there. Like I said, Whiteside. Um, I know I keep saying those guys, but also Haskins, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I He was dropping um, in Superflex drafts. I, I'm not sure he's not the best quarterback in this draft or long-term the best pro prospect out of this class. And so when he falls to 106 in a Superflex, that's a guy I'm moving up to get. Oh, yeah. Elliot, how do you feel about uh, Dwayne Haskins? That's a that's a good, pretty good quarterback that fell to the uh, Redskins. Good spot. 
Yeah, no, I mean that the draft fell the way they wanted to. I think I think Haskins is a, a solid player. I think he does a lot of things really well. I think some of his upside is capped. Um, I love Paris Campbell just to go back to that point as well. I mean, he's ever since I saw him the first time his freshman year. I mean, this this guy looks like he plays at a different speed than everybody else. <laughs> and whenever you put an indoor track guy like that inside <laughs> Indy. Yeah, in, in, in a dome, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like they, they love running like shallow crossers, too, and they'll run drag routes and mesh routes and kind of pick players off and get Campbell up in the open field, and that's what he's going to do. It's going to take time to develop him in uh, his route tree, but I, he's got all the potential in the world. That's a guy I, I like targeting. You know, I think in best ball, Campbell actually makes a lot of sense. That's a guy that's yeah. going to the 15th round that you know he he may not do much the entire season and have four weeks of wide receiver one production because he catches three passes for 100 yards and two touchdowns yeah like exactly. he's got that game-breaking ability and that's what i'm looking for in those late rounds jj arcega Whiteside, like i get it okay. it's a crowded wide receiver core yeah it is it's one of these situations where you know i really think a lot of this stuff is league dependent because every because there's the the thought process on these rookies is all over the place place right like dk metcalf is going to go 101 in some leagues and go like 108 in others right mm-hmm. like it's not like saquon barkley last year where you just know super flex yeah. Tyler murray josh yeah. jacobs it's one of those situations where you really want to gauge your league see if everyone's undervaluing people and move up but another situation for like jj arcega whiteside is a great example where week eight this season he may not have done anything and you'd be able to get him for not much mm-hmm. because yeah. if the, the, these rookies values are going to spike up and down so much that this is one of those situations where you really want to understand your lead because it, when there, when there's not consensus, it means there is edge. You just have to understand the right buy and sell window. I think that's the key to anything. Uh, you know, I, I bring that up a lot because, you know, there's, I mean, Josh Jacobs is a great example where, you know, I asked a question of like, who would you rather have, Josh Jacobs or Marlon Mack? Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that was outrageous. And the guy I offered Marlon Mack 102 for, he said, no way. But then the poll came out 60% more than that. Oh, really? <laughs> and I, I prefer Josh Jacobs. I do. He's, he's a younger player. He's more likely to catch passes. Max in a much better offense, and they didn't add any quality to him. And right. we saw that right. in the second half of the year, he was a monster. But it's one of these situations where you really got to learn your league. I think that's as, as important as learning the player. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I, I'll be honest. I, every time I do a super flex league, mm-hmm. I forget it's a super flex league. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Mm. Don't. I do so much redraft and I do so many one quarterback leagues that it just completely. Oh, like, crap. This is more different. Like, especially 14 teams. Uh, super fight leagues like those yeah they're only 32 starting quarterbacks right you can mm-hmm. run out of them real quick i mean i i i treat quarterbacks like garbage and single yeah <laughs> oh yeah. absolutely yeah yeah with garbage I, I, I mean mahomes is dropping now that tyree kill got suspended which he should but the fact that he was going one, round one round two and in, in these best ball leagues i was oh, like I'm... like you guys are on drugs <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm snapping up Dak Prescott left yes. and right in like round 13 and round 12. Rodgers went like four rounds or five rounds ahead of the next close quarterback. Mm-hmm. I had zero Aaron Rodgers share. I'll have zero Patrick Mahomes shares. Actually, that's that's a lie. I have one Patrick Mahomes share because I thought I joined a uh, a long league, an eight-hour league, but it turns out it was a 30-second league, and I didn't notice. <laughs> that makes a difference, I, yeah. I looked at my team, and I was like, well, that was not $25 well spent. But uh, 
So with the exception of that one, um, yeah, but that, that's a tangent for another time. You really, you really got to pay attention to super flex leagues because I've joined ones before where people do that and they're looking at round four and they're like, Oh my, do I take Blake Bortles in round four or do I just go <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick around eight? Like I'm just, I don't have a quarter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's another thing. This can happen to anybody. That's why we're here to kind of just, you know. <laughs> Get you prepared for the best ball situation. Get you prepared on sites like a play draft and, um, you know, best ball tens and FFPC. So you're not battling the clock, you know? So, you know, we can get your organization skills a little bit better and cut down that list and, uh, get some of the crap out of there you don't want. <laughs> that way you don't end up picking guys you just don't have any interest. Yeah, you, you can play it safe in best ball. You guys know that. You can play it safe and, and maybe you win. Um, but it's such a, it's such a fun thing to, to be a part of because you can take those chances on guys that you believe in, like Paris Campbell late, you know, in his rookie season and, and look for those um, big weeks out of guys like that. That's, I mean, I get excited about that. It, it makes fantasy really like exciting. To, really, one thing I really like to do, because I do think it makes a lot of sense to have high upside guys, it's it's really nice to mix high upside guys with safe guys. Too. Mm-hmm. And I, I, like I see so many teams just that are like, oh, I'm all in on all these guys having big weeks. What are the and other and they will. But when, when you have four wide receivers who combine for four points. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a bad look. Yeah, you're not going to win. So, like, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is a bad example. But, like, Larry Fitzgerald, or those veteran wide receivers that you know are locked into 120 targets mm-hmm. that go around, like, eight or nine. Those guys are great to mix and match with Paris Campbells and Kenny Stills and late round over-the-top guys, explosive play guys that you know. You know, you're going to get your eight points on weeks so you can wait for those big weeks from the explosive players. Yeah, like an A.J. Green with Paris Campbell. But I, I'm glad you said uh, Kenny Stills because I've been on him on, in all kinds of leagues. But, you know, Best Ball just did a couple of play draft and got Kenny Stills but in, in startups, too, because he's just going so late. And he could be the wide receiver one, at least for a while. Or even if he's the wide receiver two there, I just expect, like, he's capable of those big weeks. And I, I'm going to cash in on this. Absolutely. Kenny Stills is my most owned player in Best Ball last year, which honestly did not work out great. <laughs> but that Back to, you know, I, and I don't, I mean, I got him in the 12th or 14th round. I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Hell of a value. Do not do this. This is probably the biggest cardinal sin ever. Just because a player burned you in the past, he can't be on your, like, he's dead to me list. Melvin Gordon's like that right now. Yeah. Oh, man, he just, no. Don't, the Melvin Gordon's a good player, and he catches the ball. Speaking of uh, A.J. Green, right now he's going about the 14th receiver off the board. Okay. Which is kind of crazy. You know, he's only ever had one season in his career with less than 70 yards per game. You know, in the last four seasons, he's finished wide receiver 17, 12, 5, and 12 in PPR points per game. He's got about a high weekly floor, and he mixes in a bunch of big ceiling games before. And the only question is, and he's got 28 touchdowns in 54 games. So, like, he's been a model of consistency with mm-hmm. those spikes and is being drafted at his floor right now. Yep. Now, could he get injured? Absolutely. But just because he got injured last year, it doesn't mean you just, like, A.J. Green was a turn at the 2-3 the now. Now he's mm-hmm. a turn at the 3-4. Mm-hmm. And... The uh, offensive coordinator, um, or the new head coach is, is a much more offensive friendly guy. They yeah. drafted John Warner. The offensive line should improve. You know, it, he had a freak injury. Like, I, I think that's a fantastic buy early on. Now, I, I know I just went off on a tangent. I just heard you say AJ Green and I've been excited to talk about him for a while now. No, yeah, I am too. Like, he, he has been steady and yeah, the injury, but it's not like he has like the same injury over and over. It was a freak thing. And yeah, he's, he's always been one of my favorites because he's, even when he was in his prime and was a wide receiver one, he was still falling late in the first round it's like thanks for giving me aj green i guess right <laughs> yeah one thing we should talk about mm-hmm. I, I know but because we're talking about dynasty and best ball and everything is mccall harden okay oh absolutely i i'm out 
<laughs> I haven't drafted him anywhere. Well, I haven't been able to get him, but I, I didn't try either. Like, if he was drafted, this goes back to the cost thing yet again. Yeah. But like, when I see him go off the board and draft in, like, round seven <laughs> or round eight, I'm like, what? And, like, then you see him at pick, like, 106 and or 107 in Dynasty League. I just, like, I'm taking Campbell over him all day yeah, long. Yeah, sure. And, like, oh, yeah. He's playing the Tyree Kill role. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast, but if I'm not, you can edit it out. Tyree Kill is a shitty human being. Yes. Right? No one's yeah. going to argue that. This is not trying to counteract that. He's yep. also an incredible football. Yep. He just is. Yep. Like, he does things that legitimately no one's done before. Like, he just hangs out behind the defense 24 hours a day when he's getting triple team. And Mahomes can hit him. Just because Hardman Man. ran a 4-3-5 does not mean he's doing all of them. And if yes, he's probably going to have some gadget plays. Absolutely. He's going to be part of an explosive offense. Mm-hmm. But Demarcus Robinson is going 11 rounds later. Crazy. I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he's actually had the biggest target uh, spike whenever Tyree Kill's been off the field. Bigger than Travis Kelsey, bigger than Sammy Watkins the last two years. Mm. Like, and I know Watkins is only there last year, but I'm talking about 2018 and 2017 in their own individual year. Um, I just, this idea that just because one guy's small and fast and the other guy's small and fast, he's just going to walk in and beat Tyree Kill. <laughs> mind-boggling to me. Yeah. That, you're paying ceiling costs for a guy. And then some, you know, like a premium on the chance that he maybe can approximate something Hill did. I mean, it's, it is insane. It's just not the right way to do it. And if he hits, all those people will be celebrating, of course, but it's just unlikely. And it's it's just not a good way to spend your you know your assets, your, your equity. That goes back to process over results, right? Because if yeah. you're, yes, sometimes when you buy a guy at a ceiling, he hits a ceiling and you're okay with that. But if you're constantly betting on a 20% outcome, right. that's probability, <laughs> you know, like that's oh, wow. a bad bet, right? Like if you are betting on something, just take betting as becoming legal, right? If you're betting on something that's five to one, you better get at least five to one off. Because if you're getting <laughs> yeah, exactly. money odds, you are a moron no matter how many times you win that bet. Yeah, like in horse racing, which I don't really get into, my grandmother liked it and we'd sometimes go and, you know, talking about small amounts of money, like not, not, you know, not a problem gambler, my grandma. She just like, she, she got me into betting on the long shots, like, you know, bet on the horse that's got the, the longest odds and it was fun to root for, but at the same time, it paid out like, you know, if if they did win or placed or however my grandma would do it. But if they did something, you would win a, a good profit on that. That's not what we're talking about with like what these people are doing with McCole Hardman. They're spending they're, as much money as I'm spending on AJ Green or whatever. They're betting against the Warriors and only winning is the same amount yeah. as if the Warriors could win. Exactly. Like, yeah. What they're doing, like, sure, the Warriors could lose, but you're not you're not betting smartly. And over time, that will bite you. Yeah, I just think the value there for uh, McCole. M- Harden and just isn't there. I don't think you just, I mean, let's face it, like we said, uh, Tyreek Hill is a terrible, shitty human being, but he's also putting up Hall of Fame type numbers. You know, if he did an entire career of this, he'd be one of the best receivers that ever played. The so, only thing we could talk about last year was that Tyreek Hill was an outlier. Like, all he did was an outlier and it'd have to regress. And then people were basically like, no, he's just an outlier of a football player. That's what he is. Yeah. Now to just yeah. assume that someone's going to step in and be that level of outlier that we've only ever had one of because he ran a fast 40 time. Like, did anyone give two shits about? I cursed three times. I apologize. I just get no, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. It's not really a big deal. But um, has has did anyone care about McCall Hardman <laughs> before he got that? <laughs> <done? laughs> Yeah, no, no, but literally no. He was like a guy, you know, oh, I can't wait to get this guy in the fourth round of my rookie drafts. Maybe he develops, you know, he didn't do much, 
in college, and, and, and that's a guy I want in the back end. And, and that's a different story because I'm not really looking for much if I still have my fourth round picks anyways. And, you know, and I'm talking about Dynasty, but now, like, going from that point to, like, the first round because he's fast and Tyreek Hill's not playing for them, maybe, I, it's, it is insane. It's really, I love, you know, oh, I can't, I want you in my league, people say all the time, to be a smartass, I guess, but... If you, if the, I want to be in leagues with people that are taking McCole Hardman before these other players, we talked about it like 106. That's, yeah, good. Keep doing it, please. <laughs> yeah, like McCole Hardman's become a ridiculous value. Um, there's another guy creeping up the boards, though, and I want to talk about him. And, uh, that's Madison, the, uh, running back for, uh, the Vikings. Um, I don't like Dalvin Cook. I haven't seen enough Adam fantasy production wise to get, get behind him as a, uh, top 15 running back. Um, I love yeah, him, but I agree. Like, it, there's just a lot of questions. I, I mean, I love the player, but you're right. There's just questions about him. And, it's yeah. tough to argue that he's not special. Right. It's just a situation where he tends not to be on the football field. <laughs> Which is yeah, huge. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, he, he t- having uh, Stefan Diggs and having uh, Adam Thielen really takes him out of the uh, passing game. So I don't think, I don't see a volume, you know, like David Johnson. I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that. So you think I mean, Madison has a really good shot? To um, he's just in an oppor- the opportunity for him. He's in an ideal spot to see the field, you know, because we don't expect Dalvin Cook to be on the field all the time. So it's it, it right. bumps him up. And I, I mean, people were on to him before, but yeah, that he went to well, the Vikings is huge. Yeah, he's the spike yeah, he, has been big. Yeah, I don't like the spike. I don't like him in the tenth round. You know, I I like him later. I think he's got a nice shot. A little bit like you know, we go back to percentages. Yeah, I'm not betting that much on a 35 percent shot. You know, I, just because I don't like Dalvin Cook that much doesn't mean I like Madison that much more. I think, yeah. I think the way you should always handle handcuff backs, personally, and zero RP and whatever we can, but personally, if you're going to take a back, like let's say in the eighth to 11th round where a lot of these backups go, they should have some form of standalone value. Yeah. Where that, the guy ahead of them gets knocked out, they, they skyrocket. It shouldn't just be if the guy ahead of them gets knocked out, <laughs> I'm skyrocketing. That's the only so, reason they are. Yeah. They're, if, if they're, they're yeah. Play 13 or 14 games this year, which is certainly in the range of outcome. Mm-hmm. Madison might have 13 or 14 games with like three or less points. Like mm-hmm. when Cook is healthy, he's going to play. Yeah. I think oh, that's a, yeah. A definitely good advice. Huh? You know, a back is already being used in the game, knows the plays. He's maybe the third down back, even even just a change of pace guy. But he's able to replicate in some form what the starting running back does. Yeah, he's not just a guy you're hoping for an injury is the only way he's relevant. That's pretty bad. And I, yeah. it's funny when I back to Tyree Kill, I just this doesn't have to make the show. I just think it's funny because when you look at him. You no, know, he's like 5'10", like so many receivers are, you know, 5'10", and whatever, 180, let's say, just whatever. But you look at him, and he's got a neck that's like twice the size of mine. His head is in his shoulders. I mean, he's like a thick little dude. I mean, he just looks the part, you know, when you see him. It's funny, because not all those small receivers, like Marquise Brown and whatnot, not all those guys are built thick like that to take a to take that punishment and, and get back up and live to play another game. And that's he's neither here nor there, just an observation. What's that? Sorry. He was also one of the fastest people on earth. Yeah. Like he was, <laughs> like he was, he was like, yo, Usain Bolt, let's race. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually pull it off compared to some of the people who say that. Yeah. But like, cause he didn't get invited to the combine because, you know, he was already a terrible person before. Like yes. this, this is nothing like a shocking, not a surprise, right? Yeah. 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 I always felt bad taking him. Yeah. But like he wasn't invited to the combine, but there, he ran the four two. Like, yeah. And like he claims he could run sub four two. Wow. And I gotta be honest, most of the time I'm like, no, you can't. But then when I watch him and no one <laughs> or three can come close to him, you're like, 
Yeah, he broke. They broke the mold when he when he came through the pipeline. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Elliot, for coming by and uh, expanding our uh, horizons, and certainly filling our heads full of knowledge. You know, I really appreciate you coming down here and giving uh, me and Jeremy a, a, a really good uh, lesson in how to how you draft. Yeah, appreciate it, Elliot. Thank you, man. This is fun. Of course, this is a lot, this is a lot of fun to me. I appreciate you letting me get on my soapbox and kind of talk some process and just general ways to think because I think before you get into an individual player, it's it's really important to understand your process because that allows you to understand when you hit, when you miss, what happened and all that kind of stuff as opposed to just focusing on an individual person. But mm-hmm. I also love the discourse about Bell and Gase and, and Hardman and all the rookies we talked about. So I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Elliot, where can I find you? Where can the people find you? Where can I find you, man? You never answer my DMs. <laughs> No. Um, so, Elliot, let people know where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Elliot Christ on Twitter, E-L-I-O-T-C-R-I-S-T. Uh, all my work's on thequantedge.com, which right now we're, we're heavy in NBA season. We've got NBA betting. We're launching MLB betting by the time this podcast probably launches. And then, you know, I'm really excited for uh, middle of July, early August when we kind of launch TQE 2.0. And you guys are going to see a bunch of tools you've never seen before, a brand new website. It's kind of the ultimate football experience. So make sure you sign up for thequanedge.com. You can create a free account right now, kind of just so you're aware of everything that's happening, when it happens, and then be prepared to kind of, you know, see one of the most impressive products you've ever seen in the football space before. No, absolutely. I'm proud to be, proud to be a part of that. It's been, it's been a tremendous experience, and I, I enjoy really helping people out and getting their teams in, in decent shape. And I really appreciate the opportunity to do that at TQE. So thanks, thank you very much, uh, Elliot. It's a pleasure to have you, Brad. I, I enjoy working with you and enjoy drafting with you. Hey, thanks right. for making our Friday a little bit better, man. Appreciate it. No problem, brother. We'll talk to you. Right. Nice meeting you. Yeah, you too. No, I'm going to get you guys out of here. Thanks a lot, man. Hi, brother. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to both of you in probably yeah. Later today, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You guys take care. Have a good one. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Yeah.